0: Hey, y'all. I'm Mary Payne Gilbert and welcome to Pain in the Pod. I want to remind everyone that Pain in the Pod is now on Patreon. Just go over to patreon.com slash in the Pod and you can find all sorts of bonus content over there, including some bonus content from today's guest who's going to be making his second appearance on my show. On that note, today's guest is a very funny actor that a lot of you may know from Modern Family. He plays Lily's principal or you probably know him from listening to Jeff Lewis Live on Sirius XM. He's a frequent Co host. So, welcome to the show, my buddy Doug Buten.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, Mary Payne and friends.
0: <laughs> now, Doug, I want to explain to my listeners because today we're going to do a little something different. So, normally I talk to podcasters about their podcasts, but I'm trying something new and I encourage my listeners to let me know nicely only, please, if they like this idea. So today, instead of interviewing a podcaster about a podcast, I'm going to talk about a podcast that I love with Doug. We're going to talk about Missing Richard Simmons, uh, which is by Dan Taberski. So, Doug. Yes. I had you listen to Missing Richard Simmons. What did you think about that podcast?
2: Just generally. Okay.
1: One word, obsessed. Two words, really obsessed. Three words. Oh, my God. I loved it. I really did. And I'd like to say, uh, you know, this was this was a, a, an amazing recommendation by you, uh, because I I had said to Mary Payne, like, I'm not I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. And and you would think, well, then what the hell is he doing here? But it's something that it's like we have to sort of reckon with now is is listening to all this content down there. And so I had asked Mary Payne, in addition to her amazing pimento cheese recipe, but that's another story, for a recommendation. And she recommended uh, Missing Richard Simmons. And oh my God, it was amazing.
0: Yeah. So the, the the basis for this podcast is that Dan Taberski, who was in the Clinton administration, as like an economic advisor, he's a TV producer on The Daily Show. He's created a lot of shows. So he's a really, really smart, interesting guy. So he was friends with Richard Simmons and took his class at Slimmons, which like who knew was a thing, but it was. <laughs> and he took his class for years and he and his um, partner had been to Richard's house. He considered him a friend. And when Richard Simmons just sort of abruptly dropped out of the world, um, people just would go to Slimmons to take his ca- class, and there was a sign on the door, and it was over, and so. Dan himself tried to reach out as a friend and could never get in touch with him and started finding that every single person in his life could not get in touch with him. So he decided to investigate what happened. And what what's so interesting about it is when the podcast came out last year, it was huge news. And Richard Simmons even called into the Today Show to say he's okay. So did you know about this story beforehand, before you listened to the podcast?
1: I did. I remember when that sort of broke when he had called in and spoke to Savannah Guthrie because people hadn't seen him. And here was a guy who was famous for his interaction with people who had all of a sudden sort of disappeared. And so I remember when people were talking about that. And I remember I was watching the Today Show when he called and and then there was all this analysis, like, was that genuine? Was Did someone have a gun at his head? Is he being coerced? Like, you know, even that little act of him calling continued to be in the news because people weren't sure whether or not it was genuine. So I actually, I do remember that. And then I never knew what happened or the backstory. So that, that's why this podcast was, for me, so sort of illuminating because I learned all the backstory and then you're kind of living through it with Dan. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a great uh, journey. And it's and it's a short podcast, like every episode is 30 minutes and it's only six or seven episodes. And it's so interesting that I learned so much. Now, of course, I knew Richard Simmons from TV and Deal Emil and the commercials and him being on David Letterman and sort of allowing himself to be the butt of the joke with David Letterman. But did you know all this stuff that he was basically a therapist to all these strangers and would spend hours on the phone with these people? Yeah, uh, it, it was amazing. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. I, I didn't know that, but it makes sense because he was this ebullient sort of—you know—he was a bigger-than-life personality. I, I think you're right. He he was the butt of the joke, but he really—you listen to these stories of these people whom he he really changed people's lives and. It was amazing to to discover that. I mean, I also, I never knew how rich that man is. My God, yeah. you learn in the podcast, you know, a hundred million from deal a and a hundred million from Sweat to the Oldies or whatever. So it's pretty incredible that he did a mask that I remember when he bought that ring for was it Barbara Streisand? Is that who he went yeah. through? I, I remember that. that. I
0: didn't know that story. Oh, yeah.
1: I think yeah. I think he talked about it once on Letterman. Yeah. So, you know, he he was sort of famous for those grandiose gestures. But yeah, he really did change people's lives. And I think what what we learn in this podcast is or or one of the questions to be asked is how how not how genuine, but how real is that relationship you know when you have a relationship with somebody over the phone or via email as opposed to in person are there different parameters is it a different kind of relationship the impact is clear he impacted thousands upon tens of thousands of people's lives but the what happens that we learn in the podcast is he does just become a recluse and i i have a hard time believing like if i had my closest friends, I couldn't just cut them off. So you are left with this real quandary. Like did something actually happen or was it all, is it all just a business venture? Like you you really don't know, but he was this amazing guy who helped so many people.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that there's all these um, theories, right? Like, so one of the theories is that he had eight dogs. And when the last one died, then he became a recluse. And right. so, you know, Dan's like, I, I, I don't think so. I think you just get more dogs. And yeah. then of course the, the, a big theory is of course that his housekeeper, Teresa is like holding him hostage, which mm-hmm. they're like, she's just a lawyer. She just worked for him for 30 years, you know?
1: Right. But, yeah. but they point out like all of a sudden she's dressed head to toe in Chanel. All <laughs> of a sudden she's driving, she's driving these fancy cars. and, A big part of the story is how when all the tour buses would pass his house, he would always come out and say hello and he would interact with the, the people on the bus. But then Teresa or Teresa had this secondary fence built so that you couldn't access him and he couldn't access the fans without going through these two fences. So whereas you used to be able to see, I guess, right through a fence, see his house and he would come out and wave or whatever, now there's like an extra barrier, a physical thing. And a lot of people believe that she is responsible for that.
0: Well, Another thing that people really, what's the word I'm looking for, that theorized, I guess, is that Mm -hmm. he had some grave illness or that he had 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 knee problems and that had to have a knee surgery, didn't recover very well, and then just said, forget it. And then never spoke to anybody he knew ever again uh, over an illness. But, you know, now we've been going on a couple of years of this and it's been since 2014 and he obviously doesn't have an illness. He's still with us. Right. So what do you think about the illness theory?
1: I, I don't, I don't. Believe the illness. I mean, I, I understand how. I, I know that sometimes when people do have an illness or or any personal struggle that they don't want to talk about, it's the easy route probably to just pull back and disappear. And you know, that's when you say, "I'm going to move to West Virginia or Iceland and just like start over." Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't know that I buy that. I'm trying to think. If been any recent sightings of him. I think his brother said maybe he had dinner there or something, but I can't think of anything in, in, in recent times that he's been seen.
0: Yeah. And another theory was that he was transitioning, you know, from man to woman uh, right. because that he was, he loved to like dress up and drag to make people laugh. And there was a funny story in the podcast where someone he knew was just walking down the street one day in Hollywood and saw a little... Um, old woman coming up dressed like in Daisy Dukes and a plaid shirt tied up, like very cowgirl style right. and looked, and it was Richard Simmons. D- yeah, you know, in drag. In drag. And so, you know, Dan Taberski being a gay man himself says like, th- that's a big leap, you know, to say someone's fully transitioning to a woman just because a few times they dr- did drag for a laugh, you know? Yeah. So he doesn't believe that theory either, but a lot of people said, and I'm like, in this day and age, like... Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, live your best life. I mean, go ahead, you know? Yeah.
1: I I don't, I don't buy into that theory. I think that's uh, a real reach. I mean, that's sort of the most salacious and titillating one because I mean, can you imagine, didn't somebody say they were at the Slimmons class and he showed up like in dresses and wigs, like it wasn't just like, yeah. So he'd been doing that for a while and he's like a big old queen who, who wouldn't do that. So I don't, I definitely don't give any weight to that theory. And if he were transitioning I feel like we would have met, you know, Roberta Simmons or Richardina or Raquel or whatever name he would go by. I feel like maybe we would have met them by now, unless maybe, when did um, Judge Judy become, do you think Richard Simmons became Judge Judy? No, 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 they're very right, they're different. Doug. I take it back. I take it back. Doug. I was just trying to think, like, have we met the new Richard Simmons without knowing that we met the Richard Simmons? No,
0: well, no. N- not only did Richard Simmons not have a therapy degree, but gave lots of people therapy. He also doesn't have a law degree to become uh, Judge Judy. No, so, uh,
1: good point. no, no. <laughs> good point. And you know what? I, my family has a long Judge Judy history. I, I just realized that because um, I'm from New York and I come from a family of lawyers. And almost everybody in my family has had a case in front of Judge Judy um, in in my lifetime.
0: On the, on the TV show or just in general? No, oh,
1: no, no, back in New York when she was a real, just a regular judge. Like, everybody in my family is like, oh, I remember Judge Shineland. and
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Judge Shineland, Judy Shindlin. Got it. Um, okay. We're going to take a quick break with Doug Buten, And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the detective visiting Richard's house.
2: This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart, too? It is, with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details.
0: Okay, we're back with Doug Buden, and we're still talking about Missing Richard Simmons. So it was interesting. We're going to jump around, but at the last episode, Dan says um, he's not ending the podcast the way he wanted to. Like, I think the way he wanted to do it was um, John Cusack style holding the boombox above his head, like trying to get him to come out of the house. But instead, because of the publicity that the podcast in real time had produced, he decided... Not to do that because due to the podcast, someone had sent the police over to do a welfare check. And he spoke to the detective who wouldn't talk on air, but said he was healthy and fit and interviewed Teresa in another room and everything was above board and fine. He didn't even say like, he's fine. He meant, he said healthy and fit. So this other theory that he's now gotten to be 400 pounds, you know, also out the window. Mm -hmm. So I found that to be super interesting that Dan sort of came to the conclusion of it like I- I'm not going to do this cuz maybe I've exploited the situation too much. He got a little like uh, conscious over it, you know.
1: Yeah, agreed. I I also was thinking of um I feel like in the Scientology, when that guy's wife was missing and they sent a, a wellness check, you know, to make sure she was okay. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know about that. Like, you could just call the police and be like, I don't know that. The- oh, yes, of course they did out in Southern Charm too with Catherine. Remember they did with Catherine? Catherine fell yes. off the radar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. There's yeah. precedent. There's precedent. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. They also said that the detective gave Richard like ample opportunity, like, you know, blink twice if you're under (laughs) duress and, you know, twitch the finger if she's listening. And I'd like to think that the police know what they're doing. So that, that, that kind of did once and for all say that he was okay. He made this conscious choice. I I mean, I do have my own theory, but yeah, I, 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 think that the ending he did become very self-conscious. This was, he was almost a, a victim of the, his own success. And whereas he said, you know, I, he was going to send a letter and and hope for that last minute rapprochement that would put all these things and, you know, the, the podcast would end with the two of them, you know, going out for a jazzercise together or whatever. <laughs> Um, whatever. They, they had to, you know, he had to react in real time for sure.
0: Yeah. So Dan, you know, said he wanted to get this interview, but it never happened. So he ended up finally talking to Michael, who has been Richard's manager for 30 years. So he asks Michael. Um, so Michael, the manager, calls Dan to talk. And so Michael thinks Richard has heard some of the podcast. Now, we're a year later, so probably he's heard it all. But at the time, he said, yeah, I do think he's heard some of it, not all of it. And he's he was
1: really, a little cagey, though. Wasn't he a little cagey about yeah, it? Yeah.
0: He was just like... He's overwhelmed by the mm-hmm. love and he's overwhelmed by people reaching out and everything, but still hasn't changed, hasn't sent a, a blanket email to all his you know contacts saying, I'm fine. And I thought a very, very kind of like touch my heart thing that the um, manager said was, he said, Dan, you know, while you may feel better about all this, Richard doesn't feel any better because of the podcast. And mm-hmm. that I think is sort of what changed Dan's mind to be like, you know what, maybe I need to to back off, you know, but it's, it's going back to the point you said at the beginning was Dan said, but what about all those actual friendships that he had with people like that, that 94 year old lady and people that Iris and her uh, friend that were on the front row for 15 years. And he said, you know, you know, what about those friendships? Are you trying to tell me he's such a good actor that none of these friendships were genuine and true people that he was close with for 15, 20 years. And, you know, Michael's like, Look, here's the thing. You know, he did all that. He gave all that to so many people. And now he wants a break. But it's just, I guess it's so hard for just like you, me, regular, normal thinking people to think you could just give up all those friendships mm-hmm. unless they really truly were not friendships.
1: Right. Well, I think, I think what you need to do, what we need to do is also define our term of friendship. I'm going to assume that people shared with him about themselves more than he shared with them about himself. Mm-hmm. So if you just look at it in those terms, his fans and the people that he interacted with were more invested in him than he was with them in, on a personal level. He could have wanted the best for each and every person. And he could have remembered, okay, your name is Iris and I see you in the front row whatever. But Iris probably shared more of her emotional Personal journey with him. So I don't know that we can say they're not real. I just feel like, on the level that he was talking with people, uh, you couldn't physically, like your brain wouldn't be able to maintain all those, you know, friendships. But I I get it. I think it's really, it's got to be devastating. I have written to Prince Harry twice. Prince Harry wrote to me twice. If Prince Harry stopped writing to me, I (laughs) would be.
2: Devastated. Oh my god!
0: So you feel a real kinship with Prince Harry? You think like the overweight people felt with
1: Richard yeah. Simmons? Yeah.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's
1: cause and effect. You write, they write back. If I had that kind of relationship with Richard Simmons, and then he just disappeared, you know. Also, I, I'm sort of I be, I struggle with my own weight. I never talked to Richard Simmons, but if I if there was somebody who was like a fix for me, like, wow, connecting with this person makes me feel better about myself, then, you know, there's, is it endorphins, like whatever that, that chemical is that you release that, that euphoria drug, I think you probably start to get that every time you interact with Richard. So when it just disappears, it's like the sun going away, it just turns cold. It's like when a death eater, or one of those things from Harry Potter comes near you and, and all the joy rushed out of my life. You know, that's what it becomes, I think, I think.
0: Yes. Uh, You know, it's interesting because I think of the stories that someone told. So someone that would go on these cruises every year and the cruises are a whole nother thing, right? right? They go on these cruises and it'll be all Richard for five days on the sea. And people would feel so comfortable because everybody there has a weight problem. Everybody's there for the same issue. They all... Maybe don't leave their house very often. They're very reclusive and they go and they have a community. And that Richard would year after year. Well, I mean, one part, the one girl said she'd been on 18 cruises. So, mm. year after year or two times a year, they would go on these cruises, see their same people. People are making progress, which is what you want for their health. And when people would come back after X amount of years and they've lost the 200 pounds or whatever, and Richard really then didn't have time for them. It wasn't as interested. Right. So it's like a, a a broken bird, right? I, I only want to mm. help the broken birds because once you're fixed, I, you have nothing for me and I have nothing for you. Like there's no give and take anymore.
1: Wasn't there pushback for skinny Oprah? Remember when Oprah came out and she was all skinny and then people were like... <gasps> She lost her, she's not, she's not magical anymore. And
0: she's not like us anymore.
1: Right. So, yeah. I mean, maybe, although, oh no, no, you're the way, how you're framing You're saying it, it the opposite. He, right, right, right. He lost interest in them because they no longer needed him, maybe.
0: Because they didn't need him. Right. right. Because if he's going to spend two hours every night talking on the phone to you about leaving your house and, and embracing life and, and trying to lose weight in a healthy way and all these things. But now that you've done it, well, we don't need to be friends anymore, right?
1: You know, do you, I mean, do you have friends like that? Like, I do have some friends that call me when they're in need, and I I, I hear less from them when they're not in need. But I don't mm-hmm. feel like like it's your your friendship is no longer there. I listen. He was providing a service, like on the base level, he was providing a service, and I guess those people didn't need that service from him anymore. So he felt like he didn't have to keep giving to them.
0: Yeah, I think it's just um shocking, I guess, for the people that were truly his friends and not just in the front row at his class or went right. on 18 cruises for people like like Dan Taberski, you know, in the in the um entertainment industry and was actually friends with him and he and he felt like I had dinner at his house. And, you know, like he didn't feel um any of that. Like he was just like a, like a obese person trying to get help from him. Cause Dan, you know, by all accounts, it seems to be, you know, a regular size person, not 400 pounds. And I don't know. I just found the whole thing completely fascinating about him just dropping people.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it was really sad because Richard did symbolize all things sort of fun and and really working on yourself, and being okay with yourself, you know, he had a, a very big influence on me, because when I was a kid, and I felt not only uh, uncomfortable in my body, but really sort of uncomfortable with myself, my, my actual self, and he was somebody who was a little bit crazier than me, you know, he would wear those <laughs> cuckoo striped basketball shorts, and yeah. Like tank stockings or something, yeah, tank yeah. Tops, yeah. But I mean, I would never, not even in a dark closet, with no light bulb. I won't put a tank top on. Like yeah. it didn't happen. Not today, Satan, but he did. And I mean, it really did have a big impact. It, it didn't. I'm not saying like you know it made me come out of the closet or it made he didn't fix me, but he was a huge influence. And so, and then I, I kind of you know, didn't think about him for, for most of my life and as, a, as an adult. So to delve back into this and learn about him and all these stories, I, I mean, it really, uh, it was very personal for me. And, I, and it was, for me, really, although it was a lot of fun, I laughed my ass off in the podcast. It was ultimately, a, it's just a really, really sad story.
0: Agree. Okay, we're going to come back with Doug Buden in just a minute, and we're going to talk about sort of Now I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we'll come back and we're going to talk about something funny.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today.
0: Okay, so I'm back with Doug Buten. We're still talking about missing Richard Simmons. And okay, let's talk about this. And I hope this will not continue with your depression. I think that. Dan Taberski truly believes that something major happened in Richard's life in early 2014. Perhaps it was um, the last of his dog died. I mean, something very important happened in his life. And then he retreated. And so he didn't go to his classes. Or perhaps he had knee surgery or something like that. And he retreated. And then when he got over it and was better, he just thought, you know what? I feel free now. Like, I don't feel so chained down. And I like this new life. So I don't have to go back to teaching the class. I don't have to do anything. You know, that's what Dan believes truly happened. He felt that something major happened. He bounced back from it. But then when he bounced back from it, he realized he was happier than he's ever been. And I really actually think that that's probably what happened. And his manager, Michael, said, you know what? That's his story. And he has the right to write the ending as he pleases. And I thought that's another thing that the manager said. I was like, you know what? That's right. He has the he has the right to write his own ending. Uh, wh- what do you think? I think Dan's theory is spot on about something major happened in 2014. We just don't know
1: what. Yeah, I think I do. I think something happened, and you know, most people have to work to live, right? They 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 need to make a living, and so right. they have to produce and and come out with work or whatever. As we, as we know, Richard did not have, does not have to do that. He, he doesn't ever have to work again, and he'll never spend all this money. So there's no like impetus for him to, to do something just to cover his his costs. So I, I agree. I think something happened. I, who knows what it is? He, maybe he had a nervous breakdown. Maybe some, whatever it is. Maybe he said, you know what? Now I'm just going to live and not give anymore. I'm going to live and not give. I'm going to break <laughs> that down. Um, <laughs> I'm done with giving now. It's time to, for living. That must be a song <laughs> lyric somewhere. And anyway, it's a t shirt. It's a t shirt. It's <laughs> a t shirt. Sorry about that. But yeah, I think that the, I don't, you know, what's that? Um, what is it called? Occam's razor, where, where like when you're looking at something, the most logical explanation is, is usually the case. Yeah. So, so if we sort of Occam's razor size here, you know, having a sex change, the dogs, like all those things, probably not the most logical. The most logical is something happened. He said, you know what? I'm just going to do me for now. And that's it. And we can come up with all the theories we want, but we know he's alive. We know he's healthy. And that's the two most important things. And he doesn't seem like he's under duress. That's a third important thing. And maybe we all expected too much from him to which which Bridget, which builds that gap from when he cuts away. Somebody somebody disappears. We were expecting so much from, so we're in shock, we're despondent, all those things that we have to go through like mourning. Um, right. It's
0: like when but, somebody, somebody really famous dies that you loved all their movies or loved all their music. Right. And then you're left like, oh, I'll never have any more new music from that person because you're taking from them. Like you, you need it, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 What was interesting that is... uh brother Lenny who initially slammed the door in Dan's face, which was kind of funny because you hear the audio of like, hi, this is uh Dan slam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like,
1: you didn't call click. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: yeah. Loved I loved that. I love that. Um, and I loved when they went to New Orleans and they were talking to the guys on the street and like, did you know Richard Simmons? I was like, what? Um, <laughs> I loved that. But I thought it was just, the whole thing. They're amazing characters.
1: I mean, we really get to meet. He did a great job putting this together. I mean, it's beautifully produced, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you get to really, he paints such a picture just through these interviews with, with everybody else. I mean, if, when you think about it, like nuts and bolts, you know, he's trying to to sort of connect with somebody who's missing, and he ultimately doesn't connect with somebody who's missing. So like, in, in some respect, it's kind of a fail. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, here we are talking about like, what a great journey it was, because it just was was put together very well. and And whoever did the research really found the right people to talk with.
0: Right. So when he finally does talk to his brother, his brother's like, oh, what do you want me to tell you? I talk to him every Sunday. I saw him at Thanksgiving. I saw him at Christmas time. Like, what do you want me to tell you? He He's not transitioning. He's not sick. He's healthy. He's fine. He just has stepped away from the spotlight. And, you know, Dan's like, but what about his real actual friends and all these people? And he was like, I have nothing to tell you. Like, this is what happened. And I see him all the time. I talk to him every Sunday, everything's fine. So, you know, Dan just like, that's, you know, he wants the answer, but the answer is not for us to have. And, you know, Michael, what I loved the manager, I thought was like the star, the manager said to Dan, well, you know, we've had this conversation for 30 minutes and you never asked me the one question I thought you would ask me. And Dan's like, oh shit, you know, I'm not doing my journalistic duty. And he said, what is it? What did I forget? And he said, you didn't ask me when did I talk to Richard last? When did I see him last? And Dan says, oh, okay, all right, let's pretend like I just asked you that. When did you speak to him last? When did you see him last? And he said, last night I was at his house. I went to his house. And Dan's like, what were you doing? Right. Like, as if they were like went right to the studio and started like pumping it up with their tank tops on. He goes, we just sat and we had a visit and we hung out and Dan's like, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, what does it mean with your friend? I just went over there and we hung out. So the, the point of it being at the end, it's such like a, like you're, you're lifted up, lifted up. Finally, we're going to find some answer and we never find an answer. But the way that Dan Taberski does it is you're like, okay with no answer. Right.
1: Right. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is that what what would satisfy Dan or, or us as the listeners, right? What we want is we want to hear the story. We want to hear the juicy bits. We want to hear that there was something because the truth, as we believe it, which is to, that nothing nothing happened bad to him or, or that he's okay, is just is less exciting and it doesn't satisfy our human skepticism and curiosity. I mean, we all are like, you know, you can listen to that manager, you can listen to his brother. When he said, you know, oh, I saw him last night. The, the first thing I'm thinking is, oh, maybe he didn't. Maybe he's the one pulling the strings. That's <laughs> so like, you know, I, like between all the housewives and telenovelas and, and things that we that we watch, we're, we are now trained to be skeptical and look for the drama, right? We're right. always looking for the drama. And sometimes, it isn't. Sometimes it just is what it is. It's the logical, it's it's sometimes just something really boring. Maybe, I mean, whatever it is, maybe, maybe there's nothing. It just, it is. This is what happened. Yeah. And it's hard to accept. I get it and for all of us, because that is less interesting and less exciting to just accept something for what it is, as opposed to looking for the reasons why what we believe something to be isn't
0: yeah now would you say on a scale of one to ten as a person recommending podcasts that I would be a ten
1: you yeah uh, duh <laughs> oh, are you crazy
0: you loved it didn't you I, I did a great job recommending this podcast to you no,
1: oh I, I mean no no for reals. like I loved it I also I appreciated like on the technical thing I appreciated that they were short because now I've, I've listened to you now several podcasts and when they're an hour, i have a hard time even though i know you can pause it and you come back but then you come back and i'm like oh god i don't remember what the hell just happened i i appreciated the the shorter format personally mm-hmm. i like that in a book too though like when i'm reading a book we call it a subway read because you could read a full chapter from one stop to the next and then you you know you can just put the book back in your bag I, that's what i liked about the shorter format
0: i like that in a book too when the chapters aren't too long um yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I tell you what, we're going to uh, do a little bit more over on my Patreon. Like I said, Doug will be my first repeat visitor on my Patreon. and woo! Woo, But for my regular podcast, please tell all my listeners where they can find you, Doug Buden on social media and your Jeff Lewis appearance and all that jazz.
1: Oh yeah. Um, please visit me on Instagram at Doug Buden. Da, 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 da. Oh, and um, when I'm on Jeff Lewis, we're on Radio Andy, uh, Sirius XM channel 102. And you guys are great on that show. Thank you. We have a blast.
0: Okay. Thanks, everybody. And remember to follow me on social media at Pain in the Pod. And if you want to hear more with Doug, go on over to Patreon. Thanks.